All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears, what the fucking hooks, what the fuck Ricans, what the fucking Navians, what the fucking Delics? How are you? So I assume that if you heard this, you made it. You made it through. You made it through last night. You made it into the new year. Welcome to it if you frame things in that way. If uh, if you don't frame things day to day and you look at time and chunks of months and years, then uh, welcome. Welcome to the first day of your new year. I don't know why I'm being abstract. Like everybody doesn't think about it that way. I just don't, uh, I don't have the capacity, folks. I don't have the capacity to think back properly. I don't know what I've done to my brain. I think that I'm starting to think that the computer, my compulsive Twitter activity and just the compulsive uh, interaction I have with the internet and whatnot is annihilating my ability to remember things in sequence. In other words, I believe that maybe my brain is becoming some reflection of the internet. It's just random uh, images, random phrases and thoughts that kind of interact with my search. <laughs> They're just ideas based on something that I have in my head and everything's moving at, at its own rate. Well, first, before I get into that, as if it matters, today on the show, Melanie Linsky is here. She's an amazing actress. You might remember her from the movie Up in the Air, where she played George Clooney's sister who was getting married. She became sort of on the radar. She came on the radar with Heavenly Creatures, which she was amazing in. She was a regular on Two and a Half Men. She was most recently in Happy Christmas with Anna Kendrick. She's got this new series coming out with the Duplass Brothers. Uh, but I've always loved her. I don't. She's one of those people I would see in a movie, and I'd be like, "Who is that person? Who is that amazing person? I I want to know that person." And and then I I found her. I went and found Melanie Linsky, and I said, well, "I want to talk to you, Melanie Linsky." And we had a beautiful conversation, and it's a great way to start the new year. It's a really, it is exactly what this show is. It's two people talking, getting to know each other. But let's talk about this resolution shit, because I know this is like I I know some people maybe didn't have a great year. Uh, I had a I had a pretty good year in most ways, but there's some part of me that's never uh, allowing itself to uh, to to be grateful or to acknowledge that things are okay. Or how about to acknowledge that things are are good? What am I afraid of? See, This is weird thing I've been thinking about. I think that shitty people know they're shitty. And they just keep being shitty because that's they don't know what else to do. That's where they're comfortable. That's their their inst- it's like that's their go to thing intuitively. They're intuitively or reactively shitty, but intuitively they know they're being shitty. Now I'm not talking about sociopaths, and you know, and some people are shittier than others, obviously. But I'm maybe I'm talking about the type of shitty that I am. That I know that I have habits, emotional habits that are are abusive and I know that they're diminishing and I know they hurt me as well as other people. I know that through years of fucking doing it and feeling shitty about it. Here's the trick. If you do shitty things or you feel shitty about your behavior is that you really got to question whether or not that feeling you get after doing something shitty or being a shitty person is really comfortable to you or familiar or consistent or whatever the fuck it is. It's something you repeat doing and it's for that feeling because the actual act of being shitty and however you're shitty is is fleeting. But however you feel after, I mean, obviously, if you feel nothing afterward, you're a sociopath and this doesn't even relate to you because you wouldn't even know what I'm talking about or you're a narcissist. And again, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. 
But people who are a little shitty, a little emotionally stunted, a little frightened inside, uh, a little emotionally guarded are, are prone to, uh, you know, to hurting themselves and others a bit. I, I'm paraphrasing something I heard on uh, somebody sent me um, uh, a speech um, of Jim Carrey, some graduation speech. He said something very interesting. I, I hate to paraphrase it, but he said, be, be careful of the unloved. They will hurt themselves or they will hurt you. Something like that. The unloved. You know, that, that, you know what comes from that need? That if you were if you weren't loved or you weren't loved properly or or you were duped somehow emotionally by your upbringing, what are you out in the world looking to do? What are you out looking for? Do you have any? Do you have a, have you got a handle on it? Are you managing it? You know, sometimes that hole inside is just it's it's gnarly. It's, there's a there's fire and uh, and cyclones in there, and there's an incredible vacuum, a horrible suction to it. There's a lot of uh, you know lost lovers that are circling, screaming inside the the uh, the the metaphoric hole of self, and they you know they can't get out because you got them locked in there. I mean, I guess the, my point is for the new year, I'm going to continue being less shitty. Is that okay? Because I'm seeing myself, I see myself getting older, like that's starting to happen. I'm 51, and I can actually look in the mirror and be like, dude. Dude, you're like, you know, you're like kind of a middle-aged guy. I mean, I don't know what you're thinking with those pants. I do not think I'm designed to age gracefully. There's no indication by uh, you know, my mother or even my father that I will age gracefully unless I'm aware of it. Jesus, man. When you don't have kids and you don't have a wife or you don't have those kind of responsibilities, it's easy to perpetuate and remain emotionally immature and and quite honestly a bit selfish but those are the choices i made so i have to you know i have to be aware of myself and make sure that i'm empathetic you know in situations that demand it and that i'm uh you know a good person that i say thank you that i make sure people are okay around me i just can't make any broad resolutions why put myself why put the pressure on myself like that I want to keep doing good work. I want to keep doing creative work. I want to keep, you know, opening my heart if possible. Because you know when you're being shitty. I know the people I'm talking to. And I'm, you know, I'm still a little shitty. I mean, you hear it sometimes on this show. I'm still a little shitty. But I know it. And I know that feeling. That's where this this theory came from. That shitty people know they're being shitty. is because it's from me. So I'll tell you the progress I've made. All right, some of you have heard it. My mother just said, Mark, I like listening to your podcasts. Um, I said, I know, Mom. She goes, but I've been listening to them. Uh, uh, and I, I know. She goes, you're, they keep getting better. And I'm like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, well, maybe. I said, I'm, I said, I'm glad, but I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, you just sound happier. And that makes, and that makes me feel better. It's my mom. She doesn't really talk like that, but I'm not really doing her voice justice. But look, I don't know if I'm happier but I know I'm older and I know I've grown exhausted of the shitty parts of who I am and the ones that I can sort of temper or, or work against. I do. That's the, that's all I can do. I know when I'm about to do something shitty, when I'm about to hit send or I'm about to blurt some negative fucking abusive shit out, or I'm about to like, you know, shit on myself. 
I know when I'm about to do all that stuff. And sometimes I literally out loud have to say, dude, what, what is happening? What's happening? What's happening? What are you doing? What are you about to do? What the fuck are you thinking? Stupid. Let's see. That's a little judge, a little judgmental, but sometimes, you know, sometimes self-talk is, it has to be a little, a little, a little harsh. What the fuck are you thinking? Stupid. Yeah. Try that one. That's a good one. <laughs> when you're about to do something shitty, what the fuck are you thinking? Stupid. That'll probably work for a while. All I know is that I'm, I'm happy to be alive. I'm grateful for, for my life and what's happened in it. Grateful that you like this show. I like what I'm doing. Uh, I don't always like me. I don't know how I'm going to age gracefully. I'm completely neurotic about certain things. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to deal with those things. I'm trying to be in a relationship that's different than my other ones. <sighs> it's very hard, man. It's hard not to be in crazy time. All right, so now Melanie Linsky and I are going to talk. Melanie Linsky. Okay, let's talk to her. I'm trying to watch my figure, Melanie. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Do you know the struggle I deal with? You don't need to worry about it. Oh, anything. that's all I needed to go through with the cookie. But what about after you leave? Then where am I at? Just feeling cookie shame. <laughs> oh my God, it's like all butter. Yeah. A lot of butter. It's the worst thing for you in the world, but it's so delicious. I got, how can I not eat this? I don't know. I'm, I'm eating it. You're supposed it. to eat it. That's why I brought it. You don't feel any struggle at all with that cookie right now? Yeah, I'm going to eat some of this cookie. <laughs> but are you fighting it? Or is there, is no. there any? No? You're like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to enjoy a cookie. And you are able to do that. Mm-hmm. God, that <laughs> makes you a different person than me. <laughs> well, um, I mean, there's a little bit of a, I don't know. I struggled for a very long time about feeling awful about everything i ate so oh really yeah once i kind of gave that up i was like oh god how'd you give that up did you just sort of like go fuck it or was there a process there was a process oh really yeah were Are you we just having a conversation or is this have <laughs> we started of course we started oh god how do you think this works i haven't even put my lip balm on oh um, well get on it all right you're the only the second uh, new zealander i've had Oh, you had Reese Darby. I heard that one. Was it all familiar to you? It was really nice to hear somebody talking about... Um, Your home? My home, yeah. Well, I, I need to talk about it because uh, I've never been there. Oh, you should go there. You've been to Australia, though, you were saying. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I've been to Australia. But, and you know, I'm not sounding disappointed, but like Australia, you only go to those couple of cities. I did anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of other places to go. I've only been to two of them. They don't sell it too hard. It's not like, yeah. I'd like to go inside the country. And they're like, no, I don't know. You know yeah. like, what like, is, oh, it's big. Yeah, it's big and it's dry. Yeah. New Zealand seems lush. It's very lush. They're very different places. So you grew up there the whole time. Mm -hmm. Melanie Linsky. How'd you get that name? What kind of name is that? It's Irish. How is that Irish? It's just Irish. It I is? Somebody told me at some point that the Lynches had some kind of family feud and then some of them split off and the they, lynches yeah is that all you know about them and the family feud that's all i know and okay. i heard that from jane lynch <laughs> yeah so. so you're getting historical information from, from jane, jane lynch. lynch yeah it's yeah. weird because i just associate s-k-e-y or s-k-y or s-k-i with polish yeah. russian 
Jew. Melanie Linsky to me, it's like this. She can't be Jewish from New Zealand. It doesn't exist there. I knew one Jewish family growing up. <laughs> one. <laughs> where did, where did they I run from? A, I was obsessed. I wanted to be Jewish so badly. What was it about? I don't know. I went. We, the Jews. We lived in England for a year when I was six, and there were a lot of Jewish kids in my school, and yeah. there was something about it that spoke to my heart in a very particular way. And I didn't really have an understanding of what it was, but I was like, oh, this feels right to me. This is, I think this is, and I also, when I was little, I was always obsessed with being in the wrong family. I always thought that, like I would tell my little brother that we were adopted and stuff. Oh, really? And our real parents were coming. Oh, really? They would be here eventually and take us back to our rightful home? Yeah, I was like, they're going to come one day. And they're Jewish. Yeah, I, that was. I got convinced that they were Jewish, and then for a time, I thought they were gypsies. Maybe, of course, gypsies yeah. are good. Yeah. What? Well, well, you just felt comfortable amongst the Jews. Yeah, did you go to that girl's house or something, or did, were you just? Was it mysterious? Were well, you my like, friend in New Zealand who was Jewish, I was at her house every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was really little and I first discovered it, I don't know why it just made sense to me. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, this feel these feel like my people." <laughs> I would go to their homes, and I was like, yeah. This is right. And now you're yeah. in L.A., so you've arrived. Yeah, exactly. You're, <laughs> exactly. you're here. Yeah. Will here you pull the mic in a little bit? Oh, yeah. My voice is very quiet. Why is that? You're an actress. I know. I just... Project. Pretend like you're doing an animated character. Talking to the mic. Did you know that we have met each other before? Once. Yeah. At the Tim? Yeah. Do you remember that? I kind of remember. I was probably too startled. Too startled? Yeah. I have I have I have you in a high place. Oh, I was too startled then too. You we were, were sitting in a green room by right. ourselves and I felt very, very shy. And I then was, I was like, I'm not gonna say anything. Right. And we, we were there and I was like, Oh my god, that's a that's a woman from the movies really? and uh, she's so much better than me. That's not because I kind of looked at you at one point and you said, What am I eating too loudly? <laughs> You're eating the salad. <laughs> and I do, in fact, have a sensitivity to people eating too loudly, but you weren't. You weren't at Re- all. I, really? It didn't no. Ha- and I just was sort of like, oh, no. And then I didn't know what I was going to say. I'm a fan of yours, but I didn't say anything. Well, I, you didn't say anything? So that Mm-mm. made me awkward, and I just assumed, well, she's apparently I'm beneath talking to, and you're <laughs> sitting there. You're shy. Okay, okay, I believe you. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I think that, you know, you, um, pro- I'm, I'm probably not the, the only one, that at some point you plowed yourself into my unconscious with that first movie with uh, Heavenly Creatures, oh, right? Oh, yeah. And, there, and, and you stayed there. They, oh. They, you, you burrowed in, you made a home there. Sounds and, terrifying. And for the, for the rest of my life, I'm like, that's that woman from that movie. And there she is, grown up, being funny. Aww. And there she is, speaking like a, an American person. And she did. <laughs> that's my. That was my experience. Oh my god! That's what? So nice to know that I was in your unconscious this whole time. Uh, yeah, are you kidding me? Like I, I, I would rather you. I'd, I'd rather you be in every movie. That's so nice. <laughs> why? That's so nice. Why can't Aww. you just be in every movie? Is there a call we can make? You should be. I in. wish I was in every movie. I feel. I feel like I don't work that often, but why? What's that why about? Why do I feel like that? No, why, why aren't you? Do you? Do we need to call your agent? Do you no, show? Sh- I mean, I don't get asked to do a lot of sort of 
bigger parts and she's kind of on a thing right now where she doesn't want me to do little tiny things anymore. How'd she sell you on that? Oh, oh little tiny things. She's, oh. Yeah, she was like, oh, people always say, oh, she's so good in every little part that she does. <laughs> she's like, I want to stop hearing that. You want? She wants you to do a big one? Yeah, I don't know. Bigger parts at least. Well, what, I, I don't know. So how old were you when you did that movie, Heavenly Creatures? Seriously. I had my 16th birthday on the set. I turned 16 making it. And that was like a, so you were still in high school or the New yeah. Zealand equivalent of high school? Yeah. And and Peter Jackson was a local filmmaker at that time? He was. He was a local filmmaker who'd made a lot of disturbing horror movies. In New Zealand? In New Zealand. And you knew them? Yeah. Like I what? really loved movies, so right. I knew his movies. Um, he did a movie called Brain Dead, which I guess is called Dead Alive here. He did a movie called Meet the Feebles, which is just like puppets doing disgusting things. Uh-huh. Um, and this was a very famous murder case in New Zealand, and I heard he was going to make a movie about it, and I thought, oh, no, <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> um, but then I read the script, and it was so delicate and beautiful. And I mean, I auditioned for it before I knew anything about it. Were you acting regularly at that time, or was it like, w- w- what well, was your life like? I come from a very small sort of provincial town. It's way out on the coast, and nobody really as a professional actor where I come from. Right. Um, so I was doing school plays and I would write plays and put them on at school and I would do local theater and, you know, I did like improv, comedy, theater, sports and stuff like in that. In high school? In high school, yeah. And like, is it, how small of a town? Like everyone knew each other small? Everyone knew each other pretty much. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, the province is quite big because there's a lot of farmers. So mm-hmm. the whole province is like 40,000 people. What kind? Sheep? Sheep, yeah. A lot of sheep. A lot of sheep, yeah. There's like, I can get New Zealand lamb at Trader Joe's. Yeah. Frozen. I know. I don't eat lamb, but. but Do you it's not eat there. meat? I don't eat meat. Always? Since I was 10. 10? Mm-hmm. You have no problem with large cookies filled with butter, <laughs> no. but meat. <laughs> this you, makes you, me look terrible. I shouldn't have brought this cookie. I just ate my entire cookie. Not did only you? did you bring it. Oh, I'm so impressed. But you're going to eat it all. Well, I'm going to eat some of it. Ugh. Probably not all in what, one. Is, what kind of person can just not eat, eat it all at once? It's a lot of sugar. All right. Okay. All right. So you stopped eating meat because of what? An experience with a thing? Mm. All right. Now you're Sorry. eating. Don't worry about it. A, I'm it, very deathly afraid of mouth noises. Really? Um, was yeah. There, and did one you have of the a bad experience? Because oh. my salad didn't bother you, though. That was a good sign no, that I yeah. missed. I didn't You're not a bad it. eater. And I, Are you kidding? I, have you? Are you? I am well, the I've most, seen you eat that one salad. I must have been inhaling it. I don't eat anything slowly. I generally chew with my mouth open sometimes because I'm so consumed with eating. Well, I didn't notice. That I'm a passionate now. eater. Maybe, maybe my passion for eating is what transcended that moment for both of us. If somebody's eating badly, I cannot think straight. What I can't th- concentrate. Even if somebody is like three tables away from me in a restaurant and I can hear their mouth noises. I can't hold a conversation. Oh, my God. It's, it's a real problem. It's called misophonia. Is that true? <laughs> it's a condition, yeah. Have you sought help? I'm thinking about it. It's that. I've thought about getting hypnotized. To not be affected by... Oh, oh really? Yeah. Just like that? Yeah. I. And you know, What about people like, who like make noise like... Ah. It's the worst. I can't do it. I can't stand it. And, you know, I actually, it's very hard for me to listen to podcasts because people's horrible mouth noises. I do that sometimes. You don't, though. Okay. You really don't. I have some speech impediments. 
Do you? I have a rolling L. Like I la doesn't I don't do it from my like L like la 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 I like la 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 so it's really W because I don't use my tongue I use my throat so it's I can't really form an L so now you'll know that I have a slight <laughs> lisp uh, that that people don't notice because I guess it's just they're, they're so caught up with what I'm saying I think so I haven't noticed either of those things. oh I just fucked it up I ruined the whole thing <laughs> I might as well just be like <laughs> <laughs> please don't all leave. All right, so don't leave. Okay. So okay. why did you stop eating meat at 10? Oh, they showed us a documentary at school. They they were doing a thing about New Zealand industries, and they were like, oh, here's you know our lamb industry, and here's how that works. And they took a little lamb and put him through the whole process, and they were like, here's how he gets on your plate. And it was horrifying to me. Really? Yeah, I couldn't. And I said, I'm never eating meat again, and then I never did. It was like uh, they showed the slaughter and the sort of... Yeah. It was really intense. And then the next day we were supposed to go to a slaughterhouse and we were 10 years old. And you didn't go? No. Couldn't handle it? No. You went home devastated? Yes. And you you yelled at your parents crying, how can we... Yeah, and they were like, well, what are you going to eat? And I said, I don't know, I'll figure it out (laughs) because all I ate was meat. All anyone eats is meat. What did your folks do in this town? Um, my dad is an orthopedic surgeon. Get the fuck out of here. What? My dad's an orthopedic surgeon. <gasps> really? Yes. That's crazy. How come I didn't know that? I don't, we don't, it, the you way I talk, talk about, about him. Yeah. I don't talk about him a lot and it's usually around mental issues. But yeah, he's, yeah. he was an orthopedic surgeon. Is he a highly emotional person? Very in touch with his feelings? No. No, I'm joking. (laughs) He was a a very detached man Mm. uh, that was volatile and moody (laughs) and not home a lot. And left at weird hours for things that were very important. More important than his family. Oh, got a call. There's a guy with pieces broken. Oh, yeah. That's very familiar to me. It is? Yeah, he was on call. Right. Constantly. And like you'd be out at restaurants. Remember pagers? Yeah. Remember yeah. that shit? You'd just, just sit down and you're wondering like, is dad going to make it through the dinner? Yeah. And then like, beep, 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 Dr. Marin, please. Yeah. And then he'd go away and he'd be like, that nah, got to go. Yeah. Like, how was it so fucking important? Yeah. I mean, it, it always felt very important to me. I was exactly. like, well, that's the most important thing. That's yeah. He's saving lives. Yeah. They don't do that though, orthopedics. I don't know when I realized that. It's like, I'm not saving lives. There's no, <laughs> right. So, you know, there's a, they could put the guy together and he could wait. Yeah. But sometimes they have to do like emergency surgeries after car accidents and yeah, stuff like that. I w- actually saw a movie with my father that was profoundly disturbing. What was it? It actually, um, like, you know how you can't eat meat after you saw that movie? Yeah. I didn't like my father anymore after I saw <laughs> I, uh, Wow. No, listen. He wanted to do research on a new procedure of some mm-hmm. kind. So he, he, he had a screening of this, I get an, extru- an instructional film on this procedure. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to go with him, or he took me with him for some reason. How old were you? I, I must have been like 10, 11. I was old enough to sort of be like the kid that my dad wanted to bring. Yeah. So I must have been functioning and have a personality and things. Yeah. So... So I go see this thing, and it's literally one of these things. It was a hip surgery, mm-hmm. and there were hammers involved and saws. Oh yeah, it's they, very they putting, violent. I know, and I was like, "What? What is? What is that? 
it just was devastating to me and it was uh, mind blowing that that's what my dad was doing they they're using power tools yeah. and and equipment and hammers and saws screwdrivers yeah. and that's what they're doing to people it's helpful it's a skill but it it doesn't seem very nuanced. Yeah, people have an imagining, I think, of like surgery as being this sort of delicate thing with like scalpels, and I know some of it is, but there is a lot of like just fucking smashing things. Yeah, yeah. So your dad was a doctor. Yeah. Uh, so he was. Um, let me just take a shot. <laughs> okay. Slightly grandiose, self-involved. He's. My dad is a very shy. Oh. He's not the most emotional man of mm-hmm. all time. My mother is a very big personality. Mm-hmm. So it's ha- he can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Can't get a word in. She's kind of the it? one. She's she's the. Let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> We're doing this. Okay. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, God. <laughs> Melanie? Um, he's, you know, there's a lot of kind of. But she's calmed down a lot mm. in recent years, mm-hmm. but he's there's a lot of kind of managing, or there was when I was a child. So he's he's always very concerned about like everybody else, what's everyone else doing, or that you know, yeah, it's a little codependent. Uh, oh, I know that word. Yeah, me mm. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was there uh, was there uh, some alcohol involved anywhere? I mean, I guess like family stuff. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's weird to talk about people who don't like have a forum to. Oh, that's very respectful. Talk of you. about themselves. You know, you, you don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. You want to, as a good codependent, you want <laughs> right. you you want whoever you're talking about to be here and tell you you're wrong. Yeah. And for you I, to apologize. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Tell me I'm crazy and I made it all up and they don't have any memory of that. So how's that how's that a reality? We did the best we could. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what did you Well your my mom, parents yeah. were very young also when they had me. My dad was still a student. Mine too. Oh really? Are what? you the oldest? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh my god. How many kids are in your family? Two. Oh, there's five of us. Oh my god. Yeah. My mom was twenty two when she had me. So was my mother. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. I think my dad was like 25. Yeah. That's wow. exactly the same. When's your birthday? May 16th. Okay, thank God. <laughs> it's going to get too fucking weird. When's your birthday? September. September 27th. Oh, okay. So you're the oldest of five. Mm-hmm. Your mom's a... A, 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 a force. A she is. She is a force. Yeah. What did she do? Just uh... She was a nurse when she met my dad and then she started having babies. Mm-hmm. My mom wasn't a nurse, but there were nurses involved later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are they still married? They're still married. Do people stay married in New Zealand? I, not all, not always. Mm-hmm. My parents have had a very intense up and down, like a very interesting relationship. It's kind of a miracle that they're still married, but they're still married. And, and they're still there? They're still in New Zealand. Is he still practicing? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So how many, What what's the sibling breakdown? Um, I have three brothers and one sister. All younger? They're all younger than me, yeah. Are any of them here? No, I wish. They they're, all just, I just brought them all over for a visit. This is the first time they've ever all been here at the same time. All four of them? Yeah. How old's the youngest one? The youngest one is 20, she just turned 23, my little oh, sister. Oh, so little. Yeah. Yeah. She's so little. She's so cute. And did your parents come too? No. 
So you had the four sibs. <laughs> yeah, just the four siblings, yeah. And they all look up to you and you're like the... I'm kind of, I mean, because of, you know, my parents, I, I had a lot of responsibility, I guess. So I'm kind of like a parental uh-huh. figure for them. How, what's the age difference between you and the next one? Just two years. Oh, really? But yeah. still, you were the one? The leader of the pack? Yeah. I mean, I got better at it, is, you know. Bitter or better? Better. better. Okay. <laughs> I got better. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and then my brother is, another brother is seven years younger than me, another one's 11 years, and my sister's 14 years younger than me. And they're all good? They're all amazing. None of them are in show business? They're great. No. My sister might be a producer. That's kind of her dream. To it's produce? her weird specific dream. Yeah. It is a weird specific dream. Yeah, no, but I've never really heard anyone be like, I want to Well, maybe to be she a... can do it then. She's very good at it. She's produced some short films and she's like amazing. Wow. She's so smart. Yeah. All right. So clearly we're, we're, we're sort of circling the idea that your mom's a little nutty, your dad's a little quiet, and uh, it was very exciting at home. Yes, it was very It was exciting. so exciting that you had to parent your siblings. A bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Am I making you uncomfortable? I already went to therapy today. God damn it! <laughs> Why? Is that bad? I shouldn't have? What'd you get done there? I got a lot done. Today? great, yeah. God damn it. How are we going to yeah. have a conversation? <laughs> and I had group therapy yesterday. So you I'm go all, to group I'm all therapy? Good. I'm all good. Yes, I do. Yeah. I don't think you are good. Oh, God. Oh, no. I do go to group therapy. I really love it. Really? Have you ever done that? Yes, once. Oh, you didn't like it? I did it when I was in high school. Oh. Briefly, or junior high. But then That would be hard. Yeah, because everyone's fucked up, and no one knows what they're going to be or who they are or what's going on. And you feel so private at that time. You don't want to... Yeah, there's that, but there's also, like, there's people that, like, have minor problems, and there's always, you know, a couple of suicidal, you know, real problems, and it's, it's just... It was okay, but then I went, as my second marriage crumbled, uh, I, in a panic, went to an anger uh, management type of situation where they had a group. I did an intensified oh. three-day uh, anger workshop thing, Wow! and there were groups in that, and it was ridiculous. I felt like I was on the first Bob Newhart show, which was like, it was just like, are you kidding me? Am I one of these people? Oh am I, am, why am I here uh, and then it became like, so the anger was like very active within the group. It was like, fuck this. Yeah. These people are losers. I don't have to be, you know. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, interesting. I've not done a group in a long time. I'm surprised and excited about this idea. So you're in, in group and how does that work? Um, I kind of know how it works, but I, I, like you, you all sit and it's someone's yeah, turn and sit. people just kind of give feedback. and Yeah, you just kind of... Um, it's not really anyone's specific turn. It's sort of up to you to bring something up if you have something to talk about. Uh-huh. None of us are people who are very good at taking time for ourselves or taking up a lot of space. So that's part of the work uh, is being able to be like, I have something I want to talk about, which uh-huh. has been the hardest thing for me. Really? Yeah. To to stand up for yourself? Yeah, and say like I've you know I I feel like I deserve to be the one to use up some of the group time. You mm-hmm. know, it's been really hard. I mm. apologize to my therapist sometimes, and she's like, "You're paying me. It's, it's fine." Oh you my know? god, I'm sorry. Can I talk? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking so much, and she's like, "Oh, you're in therapy." Oh my god. Yeah, it's crazy. It's real crazy. Why do? You, why are you like that? Who stopped you from talking? 
No, I mean, maybe... I mean, I do so much therapy, I can't pretend like I don't know. I think, you know, it's... When you grow up with parents who have a lot of other stuff going on, it's it's hard to Mm -hmm. sort of feel like you should be taking up space or you know if you have a problem you you deserve to go to them and talk about it you know they they were very busy people and they had a busy is that code for selfish no i mean my dad like worked really hard mm. and my mom had so many children and mm-hmm. they're just they're always i was always so aware of how much they had going on so i always felt like it was my job to just kind of be good and just not but did you feel good though no, not really. See, it's weird. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting too personal, but no, you listen to this show. I do. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I knew it. And we're, we're getting, we're going to get back to Peter Jackson. And I'm not trying to crack a nut here. I'm not a therapist, but no. I'm trying to, uh, to, like, I understand what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. I start, I started reading this book recently. What is it? It's called The Fantasy Bond. Mm. It's, and it's about the structure of human defenses. <gasps> it's a, it, dude. Oh, it's I'm a, so excited. <laughs> Well, it was one of these things because I have two sides. I, you know, I'm, I'm very charismatic and a very aggressive personality, but mm-hmm. innately, I'm incredibly codependent with 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 people, with yeah. you know, and in, in relationships, and uh, so much so that like I, you know, I surrender so much of myself that once I can't take it anymore, then I lash out. So it's almost part uh-huh. of my cycle. Where it's sort of like you just exhaust yourself trying to make things good and taking responsibility for other people's feelings. And eventually you're just going to be like, fuck you. Yeah. I don't know if you do that. I think I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot better at it now, but I did spend many, many years never getting angry. Until? Or never talking about things that bothered me. Oh, my and, God. What'd you do with it? Oh, my God. I just, like, got disgusted at myself i took it out on myself i was miserable you know yeah just never bringing it to the other person's attention or i would get into a relationship and just sort of present some version of myself and be in like the greatest like happiest place for two months or three months Mm -hmm. and then be like see ya Mm -hmm. like as soon as i felt like i was getting close or becoming vulnerable or at risk of getting attached or something like that. I would just mm-hmm. be like, Got to go? Yeah, nice Heartbreaker, to meet you. Heartbreaker, huh? Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, it I was am. such a, protect, a, a defensive thing that I was doing that... But, did, but you didn't realize that at the time? No. I mean, I understood that I was in a panic every mm-hmm. time that I left somebody. I understood there was something wrong with me, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what was going on but i wasn't just like i'm gonna break hearts you know right 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 no that was wrong of me to say and wasn't sensitive and i apologize it's fine no it wasn't fine it is fine fine fine. um okay so this book oh yeah boy tell me the concept is that when you're young Mm -hmm. if your parents were emotionally neglectful or Mm -hmm. abusive which are sometimes the same thing whatever the case if your parents you know, did not have the emotional capacity to take care of you properly, you, mm-hmm. you know, and that they had their either their own agendas or their own problems, yet they were presenting themselves as good parents. Like, you know, we, I love all of you. I love you. You know, I'm, I'm worried about you or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the underlying emotional reality of who they were yeah. was either detached or jealous or whatever their personal trip is. You're going to absorb that as a child, okay? Mm-hmm. So, and as a child... 
you need to believe your parents are good because mm-hmm. they're your parents. And okay, so that's in place. Like they're good. So, but the emotional cues you're getting don't match that. Yeah. So you feel awkward and kind of shitty and, you know, self hating or uncomfortable or, you know, whatever those mm-hmm. feelings are. And the only thing you can do at that young age, because your parents are good, yeah. is blame yourself. So what happens is as you get older, the way you self-parent is by essentially maintaining those negative you know thoughts about yourself because that's where you live and that is actually honoring what your parents really might have felt about you and you get into relationships that are based on you know this fantasy and you never get out of that loop that disables you from being intimate because if you were to actually get intimate or actually to get close to somebody, it would threaten your entire structure of self. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is very, you're right. I can't handle it. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so, crazy. How did you find that book? I got this therapist and you know he dropped this this idea like the fantasy bond thing and I'm like mm-hmm. whoa whoa what what was that fantasy bond he's like yeah this guy Robert I think his name's Robert Firestone wrote this book called the fantasy bond you know back in the 80s or whatever and mm-hmm. and he kind of gave me a vague sense of it without really describing it and I'm like is that book available and he's like I, I don't know I imagine so and it's not a popular book it's a clinical book it's a you know it's for yeah. clinicians and it's a, based on research and uh, I went and looked it up and I found it and they sort of print it to order kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like in stock-ish. Whoa. So I got the book and I started reading it and I'm like, no fucking way. No way. Because, you know, I'm, an, I'm a recovery guy. You know, I know, you know, mm-hmm. I know Alan and I, I know AA and shit. But there, there's a certain point with that stuff and even with therapy where you're like, um, well, okay, okay, I understand I have this problem. And there's yeah. a practical way to deal with this problem, but and I can do that cognitively, and yeah. I can and I can make different choices in my life. But what about this core shit? I mean, you know, where's the explanation for it? Yeah. And so I get this book, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I found the explanation, and it's crazy. Oh. Anyways, I'm so Peter Jackson. I know it's a little digression. At a certain point in your life, I don't know where you're at. Or what your process is. I'm not. I'm not even sure how old you are. Do you have children? Thirty-seven. No. No children. Not married. No. You were. I was. No more. No more. How many times you were married? Just once. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I was married twice. I have no children. There's no no shame. Okay. There's no shame in it. You just keep All trying. Right. Get back up on just the horse. Just keep trying. Just get married again. Sure. Okay. What else? What are you going to do? You're just going to just going to commit to you know I don't want to bother anybody and sit at home for <laughs> fucking life. Yeah. Okay. All right, Melanie. No. No, but like I'm at this point now, and I don't know if you're there, where you can sort of see, you know, that your feelings about yourself are not, they don't match your life. Yeah. And like, you know, it's sort of like, well, just over there, I can be okay with myself. There's yeah. I just It's just right there. I can see it. Yes, I have recently arrived there. It's yeah. wild, right? Yeah. How do we get there? I don't know. <laughs> what do you I mean? don't know. It's been like how to how do you get to the point where you actually are okay yeah. with yourself? Yeah. I don't know. I get so frustrated with myself. Like like because of that or just in because general? Because I can see it. Right. Because I can see like right. there my 
brain, like rationally, I can say to myself, you're not a horrible person. Yeah. You have a lot of people who care about you. Yeah. You're good to people. Yeah. You know, you are doing the job that you have always wanted to do. Uh-huh. Everything's great. But I I still feel awful so much of the time. Just well, how does awful that, about myself. How does that manifest itself? Awful. I do a lot of comparing myself to other people and being like, oh, she's so yeah. thin or she's so beautiful or she's so talented or, right. you know, like, yeah. I just get crazy with it. And not in a, like, jealous, like, way where I'm mad at the other people for having some, but I'm just sort of like, oh, I could never be away. that. Right. You yeah. chip away at yourself. Yeah. You disappear yourself. Yeah, I disappear myself, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just such a habit. I know, and you know it's a habit. Yeah. And I, I feel that too. I've had a little success with that one. Okay. A little bit. How, what did you do? Well, eventually, like, I, I think I have enough sense of self now where I'm like, well, I don't do what that person does, and they don't do what I do, and I'm me, and I have this specific kind of thing that I do, so yeah. why am I even doing that? Yeah, I watched the... um VMAs the other night and I was comparing myself to Beyonce. Okay. I was watching Beyonce and I was like <laughs> I was like, oh well, I can't do that, you know? And I was like, hang on a second. That's fucking Beyonce. Right. There's no other Beyonce. Exactly. That is not anywhere near to who I am, who I aspire to be. Who any, you even could be. Any part of my job description. Right. I and I'm sitting there just being like, mm, well, like feeling you, shitty about myself, and I'm like, what is going on? You were beating yourself up with a Beyonce bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you that that's that's the pattern. It's so bizarre, though. All right, so now we have a common ground. Mm-hmm. We are um, uh, self erasers mm-hmm. uh, in the face of almost anybody who does anything. Yep. That's a good way to put it. It sounds so tragic, but yeah, basically. Yet, you are unique unto yourself as a performer and as a actress and as a being in your field. No one, no one's like you. Well, no one is like you. It's okay. The same for you. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm, but now this is no. We're building your self-esteem today. Okay. And now it starts to sort of make sense to me. So you're 16, mm-hmm. you're doing improv, you're acting in the school plays, you're, I imagine, finding like the outlet of performing to be incredibly relieving. Oh my God, yeah. And mm-hmm. from when, I mean, I started acting when I was six years old and I remember it so clearly. What happened? I just, I got cast in a play in my school and I had like a tiny little part um, and there was just something about being on the stage. I was so painfully shy and I found myself just filled with confidence and I had lines to say and I spoke them and I was like, oh, here's somebody's telling me what I can say and I just stood out there and I felt great. And it was the first time in my life that I felt sort of competitive because I auditioned to play Mary and I didn't get it. And I Mm -hmm. was like, why didn't I get that? Mm -hmm. And I just, there's something 
I just loved it. And then I did every play that I could do. I went to church with my grandparents so I could be in the plays at church. <laughs> you didn't want to have anything to do with church, but you <laughs> no. went. I was like, God, I, I love doing the plays, but I feel so guilty. And my mother was like, that's why you don't go to church. <laughs> yeah. It was a Baptist church, so uh-huh. there was a lot of like guilt. Baptist? Mm. Hardcore. Oh, yeah. So in that first time, before you took the stage the the shyness and the fear and the nervousness yeah so something just left you or like how it did you lift find- me yeah i felt once you got on stage or right before or what do you once remember i was there right before i was terrified and i didn't even know if i could walk out and then once i was there i there was like an adrenaline and mm. i just felt I felt like a different person and then i got addicted to that feeling the adrenaline yeah and feeling like a different Feeling not like myself. You're a big fan of Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. You like his horror movies. Yes. And how does he find you? They they had a couple of uh, people on a short list, like professional actresses, mm-hmm. and he just had a feeling that there was somebody else. And so his wife drove around high schools in New Zealand and did some auditions. Uh-huh. And they came to my high school and... All the teachers were like, oh, she's an actress. You should look at her. So I did a little audition, like a little improvised audition. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Well, I did another audition with Peter. Mm -hmm. They flew me to where they were filming, and I did like a proper audition. Yeah. And he showed me Kate Winslet's audition tape. How'd that go? (laughs) So mean. (laughs) He was like, this is how good you have to be, by the way. She's a professional actress. She's been working uh, for five years in England. He said that? Yeah. This is how good you have to be. Here, watch your tape. And I mean, it's fucking Kate Winslet. She's amazing. Yeah. And I could not have been more intimidated. I can't believe he said that to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you? Yeah. You can? I can, yeah. (laughs) Once I got to know him, I was like, oh, that seems right. And it just was like, this is like the, the level. Mm-hmm. You two are going to be in this movie together, and that's where she is. So, so, he was so al- you know. He was almost saying, like, can you handle this? Yeah. And you said? I said, I'll try. <laughs> Come on, you did not. <laughs> I don't know what I said. I was like, okay, she's really good. Do you remember what it was like when you first met her? Oh, my God, yeah. I, I went to the airport. To meet her, and sh- I just... They had you pick her up never, at the airport? Yeah, Peter and I, I think, picked oh, her up. Oh, it wasn't like, Melanie, just me. could you go get <laughs> No, Kate? I couldn't drive. I didn't learn to <laughs> learn drive how to drive. I was 24. If you want to be in this movie, <laughs> you'll learn how to drive to Kate drive. Winslet. Um, no, I didn't have to drive Kate Winslet, but I went to the airport, mm-hmm. and she was so, like, glamorous and beautiful. It was crazy. So, so the actual... So Peter Jackson's an evil genius. So some yeah. of the some of the actual dynamic that was in the film, he yeah. wanted to happen. Oh, it was encouraged, <laughs> completely encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> he just ripped the fragile heart out of you. Yeah, a and, little bit. I mean, but I wanted it to be ripped out of me. I wanted to really go there. It was really an amazing experience. What'd you learn about yourself? Oh, my God. I, At that time. Well, as an actor, I learned how to go to kind of an awful place and come back again. Because mm-hmm. I'd had a few experiences when I was doing plays where it would connect with me emotionally and connect with something horrible that I was going through. But then I didn't know how to <laughs> come back. 
right, I right, would just right. be sort of like fucked up. Right. So, and he was very good at like letting us go there and bringing us back again. So how how did he do that? Just really like took care of us afterwards and hugged us and talked to us and was like, now go, you know, make something nice for dinner or you know, it was just very sweet and loving and um so I realized I had like a lot of control over my emotions. I was scared of a lot of emotion before that because I felt like I was repressing so much, you know, that I was yeah. scared of letting it out right. in case it just never <laughs> stopped. Right. But it stops. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you seem sort of uh, like that seems to be your innate skill. Oh. To stop emotion. <laughs> to stop emotion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got that ace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm great at it. I'm very, very good at that. It's stopping. just, I guess the real lucky thing was that you're, you're also able to open up that, if the role is correct, yeah. if yeah. you can have someone else's agenda, yeah. you're, you're completely capable of tearing yourself open. Yeah. And I can be emotional in my own life. It was hard. It was harder for me to be angry. Right. Or sort of have any kind of healthy entitlement or anything. Yeah, still? Yeah. It's still hard, but I can do it. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after that film, because it was, in, I, I can't even remember where I saw it, because it wasn't a huge film. No. But I know I saw it, and I know it was sort of like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it was at like art house movie theaters. They yeah. were nominated for an Oscar for the screenplay. Uh-huh. And I remember there's a lot of interesting effects in a way, wasn't there? Yeah, there was like a lot of early CGI stuff. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. kind of like 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 trippy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then so so what happened? Did you finish high school? I finished high school. Um, was that a big? Was it a successful film in New Zealand? It was, um, but people in New Zealand are not very impressed by that. You know, they kind of want to let you know that it's not that great <laughs> you know <laughs> well it was based i didn't realize it was based on a very notorious yeah and i imagine that kind of poked at uh, the cultural wounds somehow yeah i think that it did and i'm also like naked in the movie and stuff like that you know so it was like there's some weird stuff to go back to high school and it's not like i was like a movie star i was playing like a dumpy <laughs> little Murderer who yeah. makes out with another girl. Everyone was like, "That was weird." Uh-huh. You know. So, what was the trajectory? So, you you did Heavenly Creatures. You finished high school, mm-hmm. and you said, "Mom, Dad, I'm going to Los Angeles." Well, I got an agent, and she kept saying, "Oh, you should come over." And I felt kind of ridiculous to try uh-huh. to do anything. You know. <laughs> All right, we've established. <laughs> You've that. established so, that. So. <laughs> So uh, so she had to convince you? Yeah, she had to convince me. Like, I started making audition tapes from New Zealand and sending them. I made a tape for The Crucible. Mm-hmm. And then... That was they, Winona Ryder? The Winona that one? Ryder yeah. one, but a different part. But And then I flew over to audition with Daniel Day-Lewis. And I guess that was when I sort of thought, oh, if they feel like I'm okay to be in a room with Daniel Day-Lewis, you know? How was that for you? Oh, God crazy so great yeah he was really nice and just you know it's fucking daniel day lewis it was Mm -hmm. incredible yeah yeah he's something huh yeah he's amazing and so you didn't get that part but it did instill you with Um, uh, a certain confidence yeah i just felt a little better and i did some more auditions it took a while I love that I can't tell the difference between you saying better and bitter nobody can it's but I love that about New Zealand (laughs) it's like it's like why distinguish (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm bitter. You're bitter? No, I'm better <laughs> than I was. I'm like, okay. But it's sort of interesting that you did all these movies and you're mm-hmm. and you're recognizable. So how do you feel about the 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 sort of pace of your career? What like are you because like in my mind, and this is just me not mm-hmm. being rude, um, d- to me you should be like um, uh, Julianne uh, Moore. Oh yeah. my God, that's n- a nice thing to say. Yeah, like it's sort of like let's get her in the lead, please. Well, let's get her up front. Oh, my agent's gonna love this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I what feel, I feel comfortable. I don't know. I feel I just feel really grateful that I work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I should be more ambitious. No, it's not a matter of ambition. My no. question is, do you feel like this this thing that you do, mm-hmm. this sort of like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm alive. Do you, do you think that, that that thing has been detrimental to uh, to you? Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, my God. Very much. We got to fucking fix this thing. I'm trying <laughs> That's why I'm in so, doing so much therapy. Mm-hmm. I really am trying because I'm sick of it at this point. You know, I'm 37 years old and I've been apologizing for myself my whole life. Like I used to, honestly, the first meetings that I took here yeah. after Heavenly Creatures, people would be like, oh, that was a great movie. And I would say, oh, so long ago. <sighs> you know, or like, oh, yeah, I haven't done anything since then. <laughs> I would be, tell them something terrible, and they would be like, oh, okay. You know, that doesn't and this, this work whole, in America. But this whole town is driven by bullshit. Oh, I know. All you got to do is like, I know, wasn't I amazing? And they're like, wow, she's really something. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. You need to have. <sighs> I know. I was never good at it either, but I was the angry version. I was like, you know, that's more interesting at least. Nobody wants like a sad sack around. It's not that interesting because they don't know what to do with that either. But like, if I was in the male version of Heavenly Creatures and someone said that was that was great, I'm like, it wasn't that good. I mean, Mm -hmm. let me like Peter Jackson was kind of a dick to be honest with you. Like, I'd be throwing (laughs) people under the bus left and right, and they'd be like, I don't know if we should work with that guy. Doesn't seem like anyone's safe with that guy's mouth. So (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny. (laughs) It was, the, it was the opposite end. That's what I did with my insecurity. I didn't go inward. I'm like, well, fuck all of you people. You clearly don't get it, you know. It's the opposite spectrum of the same problem, which is the yeah. overly confident, overcompensating, angry guy. You just put that all in. Mm-hmm. It's like beating the shit out of yourself right in front of people. Yeah. Oh, look at her defeat herself in one conversation. Oh, I know. I can make myself seem very unappealing very quickly. Ugh, that's, uh, don't do it to me because I've got you up on a pedestal, lady. No. So... <laughs> all right, don't fuck it up. Have I not done it already? No. Like oh, okay. No, this is, it's only making me like you more. Hmm. Now, you've done a bit of television. Mm-hmm. You like to work. I do like to work, yeah. Very much. Do you, but you want to do more movies, right? Well, I just did a TV show that I really love a lot, which hasn't come out yet. Which one? It's called Togetherness. It's a new show for HBO that oh, the yeah. Duplass brothers made. How'd that go? It was so great. What was the character that you played? Um, How is it different than you? Well, it's different than me because she, we're married on the show, and she's quite impatient, mm-hmm. I guess. She's just kind of, she's fed up with a lot of things. She talks about it 
she's more confident than me. It was nice. It was nice to do that. So what do you do when you, when you, when you get a role, when you read a script, when you have an opportunity like that, mm-hmm. and you, you get a sense of the character? Because I saw uh, Happy Christmas, and that's, that's a lot of you. It's the most of you I've seen since Heavenly Creatures. Mm-hmm. Really. It's a big part. Yeah. And it, it was pretty great. I, oh, thought, I talked to Anna about it. And she had another oh, bit, you did? Yeah, she had nothing oh. but nice things to say about you. Oh, I love her. But what do you do? Like when, it, when you see someone who's confident or aggressive or, mm-hmm. or impatient, are you like, thank God, this is going to be great. I, I'm gonna do, get- I do like it. I mean, it's very, it's very comfortable for me to place. I mean, like in Happy Christmas, I'm not super confident. And I have my own accent and it was all improvised and I was just kind of, you know. No, but you're grounded and maternal. Yeah. Yes. And protective. Yes. And and you're somebody who has gone through, uh, you know, some personal struggle and compromise in order to to sort of maintain the security and stability of your home and life. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I do um, dream work, you know, like, have you heard about that? No. It's a thing. <laughs> I have a teacher. Um Basically, you sort of ask yourself for a dream. You kind of go into your unconscious and different things come up. You work through the script like it's a dream and just different things that come up for you. It's just a way of kind of going to kind of a weirder place. I don't know what the process is, but you're not sleeping. Well, you you do. You write a letter to yourself about your uh, role in the script and what you want to do. And then you have a dream. A real dream? Yeah, real dream. And then things come, things come up from your unconscious. Really? Weird, yeah, weird things come up. So the process is that okay, you get a character and mm-hmm. you write a letter to yourself about the character. How does it? What is the phrasing of that? What? How is that? What do you mean? Like it's sort of different every time. Well, give me an example. It sounds so cheesy, but you say, "Dear inner self." Uh huh. You just sort of ask for permission to have things revealed to you is how I put it a lot. Really? About the character or about the movie or if it's something you're going through in your life about that situation. So this isn't an acting teacher. This is a... She's kind of an acting teacher in that she she has a good sort of... Well, she is an acting teacher, yeah. Mm-hmm. She sort of understands a lot about truth and... Mm-hmm. When things seem honest and what things are interesting and, you know, you can talk through the dream and she can be like, oh, I wonder if that would be an interesting thing to put in here. And this is a one-on-one thing you do with this person? One time I didn't have a dream at all. Uh I asked myself five nights in a row and I didn't have a dream and then I realized, like, oh, I'm kind of living this. No, I didn't. I just sort of, I was like, why can't I have a dream about this? And then I was like, oh, this movie is like my reality at this point in time which movie was that it's a movie uh the title changed oh it got called the big ask Mm -hmm. yeah and it was just about well it was a weird thing because david krumholtz plays a character who asks his friends girlfriends to have like an orgy with him essentially Uh but i guess my situation i was in a relationship at the time where i was very Confused, I didn't understand what someone wanted. I was trying to sort of make sense of what they were asking from me, and I just felt kind of 
lost and abandoned mm-hmm. and like is this going to end what's going to happen are we breaking up right now is, is he okay right now am i okay mm-hmm. and so all that stuff was just like what i was playing in the movie so that was interesting so your dream was like yeah you're living it yeah i just my wouldn't even my unconscious was like i think mm-hmm. you're okay yeah yeah i think you just got think this. about it for two seconds and S- stop asking me for a fucking dream right yeah <laughs> So when you do, when this work is successful, when you are delivered information, in what form mm. does it come in? Sometimes there's an image, um, like I did. I did this movie called Goodbye to All That, mm-hmm. and I have a scene in the movie where I'm breaking up with my husband. I take him to couples therapy, and we break up. And there was uh, in the dream, I was watching a concert that I wasn't ready for. I was very terrified of the concert happening. And I said to myself, okay, the way I'm going to be able to watch this concert is if I uncross my legs and put both my feet flat on the ground and just look straight ahead. And I felt sort of like surge of bravery in the dream. And so then when we were filming that scene, I did that same movement. And it just, because I have like an emotional connection to it, even though it's just from a dream, the same sort of feeling comes up when you do the movement and you know what you're connecting it with. Wow. Is this making sense? Sure. Sound? Yeah. So you can sort of make a little thing quite powerful. You can bring it back to a place of something that's actually happened. Or even you. if it hasn't happened, it's taken from your own subconscious. Yeah. Whatever so even, that is in the dream right. means, you know. Who knows? Yeah. But it was deep enough to be revealed to you yeah. in a dream. Yeah. So if you just honor that, the movement or the action. Yeah. You don't even know necessarily why it's connected. Yeah, but it just feels... Right. Yeah, it feels like it comes from your guts. That seems like a hell of a process. And sometimes those that... So you're telling me that sometimes those actions or suggestions or images in the dream can actually be the foundation of a character or part of the building of the character. Yeah, or sometimes a person will be in the dream and I'll uh-huh. realize, like, oh, there's a lot of that person in this character and so I'll start to think about the character. Uh-huh. I had one dream about my little brother when uh-huh. I was doing a movie and I was like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. This is so... There's so much of him. You that know. seems like... A, that's a, like that's an interesting way to work. Yeah. Nothing easy about it. No, it's not easy, but it's interesting yeah and what other stuff do you do you usually do with line work and stuff do you really do you work from like motivations and you, you know how do you kind of assess no you just go by instinct it's just instinct yeah i'm not i'm not great with that stuff and i actually really have trouble when i work with a director who talks like that because i don't have that framework or that language mm-hmm. people get annoyed with me sometimes what what is your need or what is your motivation what do you what do you want yeah yeah it gets a little confusing yeah so i can't we just get in it it's in the lines yeah that's and i've said i can be kind of bitchy sometimes at Mm. work that's good no i'm so invested in it and i don't i don't want to sit there and have a conversation about like well what's your motivation and so what's and did you read the script you should know (laughs) why do i need to tell you what i'm doing in the scene you you know Uh watch it and if it looks weird tell me what else you want to see and you were with um you worked with anna up in the air too or no. Yeah. Well, yeah. we didn't she, have any yeah, scenes she, together. You were, we were Clooney's sister, right? Yeah. I remember. Now, working with him, how was that? That was great. 
He's so. Has he done your show? No. <laughs> no, I don't know how to. Those guys are. That's a rare error there. Yeah. I don't know how to get to that guy. I don't either. I don't know. There's that whole that upper echelon of male actors. I have no idea what to, the the Damons and the Clooney's. Oh, I feel the, like those people would love to be on your show. I don't. Uh, okay. To give him a call, get back to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have anyone's phone number. God, uh, I think I'm going around like a person who's gonna no. get famous people's phone number. No, I, 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 no. I, I imagine you probably walk up to them and go, "We work together. Do you remember me at all?" Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I do. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I saw Matt Damon a few weeks ago. You played his wife. I know. He was like, "Yeah, Melanie, hi." I don't know. I don't want to make him uncomfortable and be like, "Hey, pal," you know. He was like, about, "Yeah, nice hey, to see you." Hey, Matt. <laughs> Oh, you don't want to make them uncomfortable, so you choose like. Do you remember me? <laughs> that's that's a bit, no. That doesn't make anyone uncomfortable. As opposed to like, hey Matt, what's going on? And you're like, hi, I don't know if we, we were in the thing. I didn't what? say, do you remember me? But I was like, oh, it's Melanie. You know, just in case. You did not do oh, that. God, what? I did do that. I do do that. I feel like it's nice to do that to people. People who like meet a lot of people who probably expect them to remember. Them. You were on set with ago. him, yes, for weeks. Yeah. Okay, I'm just checking the facts. It's good. This is going to be a real turning point. No, it's not. Is it? Yeah, because I'll probably listen to this podcast and be like, "Oh my god, get what? your shit together." Why am I? T- I don't know why. I'm not a tough love guy, but for some reason, you're bringing it out of me. I like it. I appreciate it. <laughs> it is surprising me a little bit, though. Why? Am I letting you down? No. Is, See now you're insecure. Why is it? Why is it surprising you? Cause I've I don't know you're so getting so tough on me. I'm sorry. I, you don't usually do that. You're right. I don't. I'm just. I think what it is is that I'm you know struggling with some of the same things. Mm-hmm. And I don't like. I'm always amazed. Now. Like if I see Jonah Hill or I run into or I see Seth Rogen, I never think to go like, what's up, man? But like now, for some reason, they're like, hey, Mark. And I'm like, no way. So you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I that makes me feel better. I completely relate. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to be that guy. The guy who assumes uh, like a relationship or, or, you know, but I never, yeah. I mean, I've only had Seth in here with his buddy. I don't know him, but it was nice that he remembered me. Of course he would remember you. I mean, also no, but that was a literally... famous person. No, not, I'm not as famous as you, number one. And number two, I work, I was, I talked to him for an hour. You know, I didn't spend six weeks on a film with him, you know. Right, but this is a very intimate experience. He probably remembers you better than some people he did spend six weeks on a film with. I guess that's right. Maybe I don't understand that. Yeah. But that was, uh, you worked with Soderbergh on that. That was the informant. Yeah. Was that, how was he as a director? Oh my God, like a dream. Yeah. The greatest, my what? favorite. I don't like compliments. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite thing. So, and he doesn't do that at all. So it was really, it was nice. He gave me a compliment like when we finished filming, which mm-hmm. was perfect. But he's just sort of sensible. He'll do it again if he didn't feel like he got it. He'll just give you notes that make a lot of sense. He lets you kind of run through it. It's really, it's loose, but it's controlled. Uh-huh. It's perfect. Let's land on, on Swanberg, and then we're going to talk about eating. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Because you feel bad about that cookie. Sorry. I don't feel bad about it. Oh, good. Okay. You're going to help me with my own eating disorder. That's what you're going to do. Do you have an eating disorder? Kind of. Seriously? I have body dysmorphia and I don't ever feel, I love to eat, but I always feel guilty about eating. That's so interesting. I always think I'm fat. Always. My mother was kind of crazy with that stuff. It's conditional. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. How do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like my mother would be okay with me saying, I I feel bad because my parents have really worked hard on themselves Mm -hmm. over the years. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's all you can ask for. Right. And they're very loving people. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of apologies Mm -hmm. and amends made and stuff like that. Honest ones. Very honest. Very, very, very honest ones. Mm -hmm. And I feel so grateful. Um, and they're just, you know, they're working on their relationship still, which is so amazing to me. So they're open-minded yeah, people they're, that are, are willing to admit yeah, fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my mother had a lot of eating issues when I was growing up. And it's a tough thing to be around. I mean, uh, yeah. I, f- friends of friends of mine who have kids are so sensitive about talking about food, talking about feeling guilty about food, mm-hmm. talking about their own bodies, mm-hmm. anything like that. And it always makes me think like, oh God, to you should have that amount of care about it. Mm-hmm. And it's really an intense thing to see someone not like their own body and then also have a lot of weirdness around what you're eating, when you're eating it. You yeah. Know? So you really had it. You really had that thing. Yeah. It's a bad thing. It's so hard to get rid of it, and I think that's why now I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to eat a fucking cookie. <laughs> like, once I stopped being so obsessive about my thinking about eating and my eating, I just the freedom from that was overwhelming. Oh, <sighs> yeah, it feels really nice to not think about food all the time. But, you know, I weigh, like, a lot more than I used to because I don't think about food all the time. And you're okay. I used to be very skinny. Uh But you would never know because I still hated my body and I walked around in big, you know. Right. I definitely understand. What's the point? Uh, I I understand it. It's one thing, like, people, you know, people can say, like, self-hatred, this or that. But the way you framed it, which I think is that it's just horrible to have somebody not like their body, mm-hmm. the vessel, the container, yeah, the the physical being of who they are, is just never right. Yeah, and you can never escape it. You're with yourself all the time, and also you have to eat. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, and eating is social, and there's just it's the most inescapable thing to have an issue with. How did you fix it? Honestly, I, well, I was bulimic for 10 years and I was never like a bingey bulimic Mm because I was too ashamed to ever like binge eat. I'd never, (laughs) but I had such a strict diet and then if I ate anything over it, then I would get rid of it. Right. And I just was obsessive about my eating and I 
got in a relationship when I was 21 and I really opened up to this person and he said to me, that's so violent. What a violent thing to do to yourself. And I never really had thought about it. Like I remember when I was 12 years old and I read about it, I was like, oh, great idea. That's, yeah. I was that solves so, it. Yeah. And my body was changing and I was freaking out because suddenly I had hips and breasts and stuff mm. like that and I was like oh god help me like it's just gonna get worse like there's more fat bits <laughs> that I have to worry about <laughs> fuck yeah and so I was you know trying to control it um and this boyfriend that I had was just like god that's so and and then he started crying and he was like that breaks my heart that you would do that to yourself it breaks my heart that you can't like eat like experience yeah. something delicious like we'd go out to dinner and I would have a salad with no dressing like that's all I would ever eat and he started kind of it sounds weird and controlling but he started like monitoring kind of like he would make me eat something and not let me watch what he was putting in it uh-huh. he would cook something and be like stay out of the kitchen then I would eat it and then I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom so I started eating pasta and things that had oil on it, and it was I freaked out for a few months. And then I was like, oh, I'm not, like, getting really fat. Food is delicious, and I feel fucking happy, and this is nice. And I, like, relapsed for a while for a few years, and then I guess when I was around 25, I just was, like, d- done. I just started... I still had a lot of feelings about my body, but it just sort of got better and better. Mm-hmm. And now I exercise so much because that's a really good way of just keeping my mind straight and feeling like I'm in my body without like obsessing about my body. And, right. And I just, I don't know. I also think it's kind of lovely. I don't know. Sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, oh, that's kind of sexy. Yeah. It's all round and, you know, bouncy. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with that? I don't know why I was denying that for so long. I, you know, I was so excited to be able to seal my ribs, really. Not everyone's supposed to look like that. Those women are beautiful and, every, you know, it's beautiful when everyone looks different. So you're aware of it still, but you have... Oh, and I have, like, some, you know, I have moments where I'm just like... <sighs> Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm so crazy. I should be skinny. I should be starving myself. What am I thinking? Yeah. Like, I watched the Emmys the other night, and I was like, oh. it was like it suddenly occurred to me, like, everyone's so fucking skinny. Like, women are not eating. Yeah. They are just not eating. And what are you doing sitting here with your, like, Thai food or whatever I was currently eating? <laughs> I was like, you are insane. What are you thinking? <laughs> It's like a voice, like, from, uh-huh. you know, some other part of myself will come up and, like, slap me in the face and be like, don't you remember what you're supposed to be doing? And then I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like, I got so tired of listening to you. Do you know I whose can. voice it was? It's my own voice, Is I it? think. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's my mother. Mm. I'm sure it's, you know, a lot of different things. It was some of the stuff that was unsaid by your mother probably this idea of what you had to do for her things were said you know (laughs) she was intense about it Uh she really cared about it a lot i was in fat kid aerobics no with with fat kids 
But were you ever fat? No. Right, but your mom. I was thought. never skinny though. I've never been. You know, I've always been like. But but was your mom like panicked about it? Yeah. Right. I get it. And mm-hmm. I, in my brain, I was like, oh, I'm a fat kid. I just can't right. really see it properly. And then I started looking at myself, and I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. Finally. Yeah. I can see me for my true fat yeah. self. Oh, I see it. My mom is right. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember reading that book, Blubber, that this Judy Bloom book. Mm-hmm. It's like a, um, and they, the character was like describing what it felt like to be in the shower and what they're buying. Like, oh, I, sometimes I wish I could see my feet when I was in the shower. And I remember being in the shower and being like, I can totally see my feet. Yeah. But I'm fat. I know that I'm very fat. But that's so weird that I could see, and I was like, nothing's like sticking out. But I just couldn't. I just had no sense of what my body looked like for a really long time. I still, I still don't. Like if I get over a certain weight, this weird ten pound area that I'm comfortable in, mm-hmm. I literally just want to disappear. Like, and, and if I'm aware of it, and I'm talking to somebody, like a woman or something, I'm like. Like I, I'm, I, I just it just takes away all my confidence. It takes away, you know, uh, any sense of identity I have. It's really powerful. Yeah, I used to have that number as well. Yeah, in my head, I had like the absolute like this is it. this is as big as you can ever get. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I'm yeah. way past that now. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's like 15 pounds ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well. Congratulations on liberating yourself from that Thank dialogue. You. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, not a hundred percent, but you know. Yeah, but it's it, like it literally gets that point. So it's what we were talking about before, where you can see that the the self uh, that you have that can exist in the world. Yeah, and should be how you're existing. But that voice, they in that book yeah. I'm reading, they talk about that voice. Yeah, because it's everyone who's like us has a similar version of that. Yeah, and and that voice has a similar focus. And and that is it. That is your best ability. At when that voice started happening, mm-hmm. that's how you self-parented. That was. God, that's so interesting. That I mean, that's a really amazing piece yeah. to kind of click in. It's that's like amazing. you know, like your parents are good, and they they had, and you you don't you you can't be responsible for their own issues. But when mm-hmm. you're very young, it's like I feel fucking fat, but my mom loves me. But then, like, why am I so uncomfortable? And then that thing, it's like you're fat, and you're like I am, and mm-hmm. that is your attempt at actually self-parenting is maintaining that voice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I have a lot of those voices <laughs> telling I me know. all kinds of things. Right. Yeah. It's a weird thing inside you that really does try to cling on to that negativity. It, and I've felt that before. Like, I've felt that in therapy, like having kind of breakthroughs. It's been like, well, who are you, though? Who are you if you right. let go of that? Right. It's also, like, I, I find that that seems like some of the focus around it is the ability to not, you know, that awkwardness of like needing the comfort or needing the love that wasn't there mm-hmm. and it, it like that that discomfort of like just sitting with that self that you feel is ill-defined it's like oh I, I have to eat something i've got to you know do this I'm like what's on tv i gotta you, you, know, you know that uh, the grabby feeling yeah i've i mean this is very personal but after i got divorced yeah 
I did a lot of um, not distracting myself from feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I just get in the bath with nothing mm-hmm. in there, like not a book or my phone or anything like that, and just be like, "All right, you're just gonna go through this right now." What come at you? Oh God, I was like torture. It was awful. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the end of what I thought my life was going to be. Uh-huh. But it's such a crazy thing to to sit with it. I was so afraid of sitting with it, and I didn't for a while. Uh-huh. Like, I was like, la, 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 cleaning, cleaning, yeah. like, uh, seeing people, letting everyone know that everything's okay. And then just finally when I was like, what if I just sat with it? And and, it, and I was ready for the possibility that it could, like, kill me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it felt so overwhelming. And then mm-hmm. I was like, mm, just see if it does. And it it doesn't, like, all pass because there's too much there, but something passes through you when you just let it happen, and it's amazing. Well, I think that a lot of that has to also, not just as a person, but, you know, inform you as an artist as well, that... You know, because you're coming, that means that, you know, if you're able to go through that mm-hmm. and that very sort of almost primal fear for of that for somebody like you mm-hmm. to survive that, yeah. to survive those baths, mm-hmm. um, you know, must, you know, give you like, uh, if not a, a, a tangible confidence, but uh, a, a, a way of enact, engaging in life where you're like, I can handle this. Yeah, I think that now I am far enough past it that I do feel strong again, you know. You know that weird thing where you're sort of like grasping around, you just Horrible. don't know like... Well, look, you're lucky that you're not, you know, like, you, you know, you, you don't know what can happen during those times. There's a million things you can do to avoid that shit. And, yeah. and, and some of them are, you know, dangerous. Yeah. And, you you know, you avoided that. Yeah, that's true. I feel grateful. Yeah, and and I think that in hearing you talk about that and and thinking about Happy Christmas as a piece of work, you know that like I have to imagine some of that groundedness that you got from moving through that stuff must have informed that character a bit. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, and and the fact that the way Swanberg works is that it is all improvised. I mean, was that daunting to you? It was um, a little bit. I mean, I had done some improvised stuff, like, as a teenager. I was excited about it. And I think the thing that really helped, and maybe Anna said this to you, is, like, Joe is uh, honestly so okay with whatever happens. There's not a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it would be different if he was like, you really need to make something great happen here and go. You know, he's just like, well, it's an experiment. We'll see what happens. But I think you were all aware that you were shooting on film. Yeah, so you got one take. Right, yeah. so, so he didn't have to really say <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know. But there were some times where we would do a take and I would be like, are we seriously moving on? Like, how, he's going to piece that together somehow? And you're directing in the, your head. Yeah, the camera's just moving between us and it felt so loose and... I thought it was... Uh, uh, it, it, it gave me... It's real independent filmmaking. Yeah. And, you know, his choice to use film... 
you know, because the tone of that, you can't get that tone with anyone. No, I really love it. Yeah, it was it was spectacular. And to know that, because I, I, I just happened to be at a screening where he did a Skype Q&A mm-hmm. uh, at the Roxy in San Francisco. And, and I, I, I didn't even see the, the, the showing that he was speaking at, but we came in early because I wanted to see him. And, like, how aware he is of, of, of how special what he is doing is. Yeah. Uh, in in capturing the type of emotions and and letting that the the thing sort of live and breathe on its own volition, uh, you know, with with actors who are capable of doing it, yeah. and then to shoot on film, I just thought it was like, well, this is real. This is like old school ballsy filmmaking. Yeah, because it it does it means something to know as an actor that we don't we can't just do the we're, it's just video thing. Yeah, I, it was exciting. It right. you know, really, I mean, I do so many independent movies and they're all digital right. now. It had been so long since I'd had that feeling. Well, um, I think it's a sweet little movie. I think you, yeah, it was so great you. to see you sort of stretch out. Thank you. I'm a big fan. Thanks, I'm a big fan of yours. Do you feel okay about everything? I don't, I mean, I'm going to get in my car and be like, oh God, why? What can I do to help that? You can't. What are you working on now? You uh, exactly. Oh gosh. You I still have, do two and a half men? I haven't for a long time. Do you like doing that? I do. I have a lot of fun doing it. It's, it's good to really, do jokes, right? It's good to do jokes and it's really have you done that before? Like no. a sitcom? Not really. There's I just done my own show, but it's not really like that. No, it's different. Yeah. It's not like the audience. No, like, yeah, it's not like... There's something about it that feels so old school. Oh, yeah. And it's so fun and the you know the audience knows the character. It's yeah. weird to be a character that people, people get know. excited to see. That's fun, yeah. On like an American sitcom. Do you like it? I do. I really like it. I have a good time. But I have a couple of things coming out. Which ones? The movie that I was talking about that's called Goodbye to All That, which is with Paul Schneider, who Mm -hmm. is great. Um, And a movie that my friend Simon Helberg wrote and directed and starred in, which is based on the true story of when his relationship fell apart. What's that called? It's called We'll Never Have Paris. Well, I'm looking forward to them. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me. I think we did it. I hope so. That's it. Wasn't she amazing? I think she's amazing. Go watch her act. She's amazing. Look, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. You want some JustCoffee.coop? If you get the uh, the WTF blend, I go a little on the back end. It's a nice dark roast. Nice dark roast for a dark-minded dude, me. Uh, yeah, go, you know, leave a comment. Get the app. Upgrade to the, to the, uh, to the premium get all that stuff new year's man happy new year's to you really seriously let's be good to each other you want to